0: Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally, starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Willpower. It's something that many of us think of as a genetic trait. We either have it or we don't. So when we just can't resist that Ben and Jerry's pint or hitting the bottom of that bag of sea salt and vinegar chips when we really want to, we assume there's something wrong with us. But there's a lot more to cravings, food binges, and uncontrollable desire than just one bag of chips or a Ben and Jerry's pint that we can't resist And more than just the food industry's ability to create the perfect crunch or the perfect taste sweet spot that they devote hundreds of millions in research and development to do to get us to eat more. And there's also a lot more to willpower than something that we just can't control. In fact, cravings can often, and pretty much always do, represent something we're missing, whether it's nutritionally, something that we need because of stress in our lives, For example, needing fat or sugar or salt, which feed and nourish us when we're under so much more stress demand because of our adrenal system, or because there's something else that we're trying to fill or fulfill. Today, joining me is the uber cool Alexandra Jameson. Many of you first met Alex as the co-star and co-creator of Super Size Me, the Oscar nominated documentary that shook up the fast food nation in 2004. Alex has been seen on Oprah, The Today Show, Dr. Oz, Martha Stewart Living, CNN, Fox News, USA Today, and People. Alex delivers inspirational keynote speeches and workshops around the globe and was declared L Magazine's coach for January 2015. Alex's podcast, The Cravecast, debuted at number one on iTunes and alternative health and continues to draw listeners from around the world with new perspectives on health, cravings, and sexuality with top expert interviews. Her latest book, Women, Food, and Desire, hit number one on Amazon on several lists, including popular psychology, sexuality, and was the number one new release in spirituality and self-help on Amazon. Also chosen by goop.com as the top nonfiction winter book and bustle.com as one of 12 books to help you through a tough divorce, her book, courses, podcast, and blog, guide the reader to embrace their cravings as their allies, make peace with food, and reclaim their body. I'd like to just read, before I introduce Alex to you, uh, what I actually wrote for her book. When I read her book, I really fell in love with it. So um, one of her book jacket blurbs is, like a perfect meal savored over an evening with good friends, Alexandra's book offers nourishment, laughter, aha moments, and wisdom, not just about how to feed your body, but how to feed your soul. Her insights and stories invite you back to your truest self, beckoning you to listen. Listen to the deeper inner longings that your cravings can reveal. She illuminates the path to making peace with your body and to living your most authentic life. I guarantee you that you will find yourself reflected in her words. This book will give you the tools you need to give your overtired willpower a rest, move beyond blame and shame about cravings and food, and find the true fulfillment you're hungry for. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm
1: delighted to have you here. Oh, thank you, Aviva. I love talking with you. This is so fun. I love talking with you too. So tell me, one thing that
0: I never really heard from you in any of our conversations is what started you talking about women and cravings?
1: So, I helped co-create this movie, "Supersize Me," about 14 years ago. And you know, this was my my now ex Morgan and I bringing his love of filmmaking, my love of food, together. You know, this was in my mid 20s, and at the time, I had just really jumped into the vegan diet and lifestyle. It was the diet that I chose to heal my body. When I discovered that I was totally nutritionally deficient in my mid-20s, I was having migraine headaches almost every day. I was 30 pounds heavier and I was really depressed and anxious all the time. And I thought at the age of 25, I'm not supposed to feel this bad. And so when I got into food as healing, veganism, which I hadn't really heard of before, you know, this was back in the nineties. It wasn't, it wasn't a a big deal back then. I, something in me said, yes, do this. And I, I took out all the junk food, all the processed food that I was living on, as well as all of the animal products. And it felt wonderful. I felt so good. And that inspired super size me as well. And we made the movie. It was this huge surprise success. And for the next 10 years, we were making TV shows together. I wrote my first book, The Great American Detox Diet, about Morgan getting so sick during Mm. Supersize Me, where he ate nothing but McDonald's for a month, and how I healed him, where we healed his body together with my whole foods, plant-based diet. And you know, flash forward 10 years, I'm now 35 years old and my body started to feel bad again. Now we had a little boy together. We had had a son together. Now we were going through a divorce. Now I was 35 and my, my body was different. I couldn't get my, my hormones on track anymore. They used to be so easy. My menstrual cycle was fine. Now it was coming every 14 to 16 days. I was going through such a stressful time getting a divorce with a toddler in tow. My my emotional life was in total upheaval and I started craving meat. Now this was not good. This was not part of the the publishing plan, the branding plan platform, right? It's amazing.
0: It's amazing we get these identities, right? And and especially if you're in kind of a celebrity mode, it's very hard to change the public's perception of you when you need to make a change. It's a, I really think that that's a lot more challenging than listeners might even recognize because people had built an expectation of you eating a certain way. You your
1: food was public. Right, right. And, and I think it speaks to how challenging it is for all of us to make a change. We're afraid of what other people will think of us mm-hmm. when we make a change in identity or lifestyle in some way. But this was a very public change and I really struggled with it for a couple of years. You know, I, I tried everything in the vegan framework to fix what was going on with me medically and it wasn't working. And You know, I now realize that the diet that heals you may not be the diet that sustains you. So after 10 years, this diet wasn't working for me anymore. And I finally had to listen to my body. You know, I I would go to a restaurant with friends and while I'm eating my tofu salad, I'm secretly salivating over their salmon or steak. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, I want that. But I wouldn't allow myself to follow the cravings because I had emotional and mental frameworks in the way of that. So when I finally started listening to my body and secretly started eating animal products at home with the curtains drawn so nobody could see me, physically, I felt so much better. My body said, yes, more of that, please. Mm. But... Again, emotionally, I was still tied up in knots around it. So when I finally kind of came out as no longer vegan, it was it was really challenging. You know the the internet was not happy with me. There were a lot of people who were very invested in my veganism, and I lost a lot of actual friends, not just Facebook friends. Um, but I but I realized that we're living in a culture where there's so much. Pressure, especially on women. We put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect that any deviation from what we've been doing, especially in diet, which relates to body image and sexuality, etc., it is so challenging. So that's when I really started to look at: well, what are the causes of these cravings? If we can take the you know, the judgment out of it, what's the information, what's the wisdom in these messages that our body sends to us? So that's really what inspired this whole journey.
0: So beautiful. It's so important for women to hear. I work with a lot of patients who are women who have spent years or even decades in a certain diet, whether and it's often vegetarian or vegan, and I did so myself, and I know how challenging it was for me being in healthcare and having people look toward me for certain kinds of information when I was in my fourth pregnancy and just felt like no matter how much vegan food I ate, I tried adding dairy, no matter how much I added, I was really hungry. And when I added meat to my diet, first chicken and then red meat, organic, of course, and grass-fed, but I felt like the image I always got was like somebody hooking up jumper cables or like fixing a spark plug or something. It was just like, and I, I, it's, and I often, um, it's challenging because we get these food identities, we get these identities of ourselves and we build these also around very real concerns. A lot of us don't want to kill mm-hmm. animals. A lot of us don't want to contribute to certain kinds of animal raising practices. But this piece about listening to our body and being open especially when we've tried everything else is, is really to me, you know, I keep getting down to this with the women I work with is how do you want to feel? And sort of how does your, how does your value system bridge with that? I mean, if your value system is not letting you get to where you want to feel, sometimes you have to make a choice, right? I'm going to feel tired and run down and have irregular periods and this, that, and the other, or I'm going to make a shift in how I see the world. But it is really hard so how did you connect food cravings? And we're going to swing back around to some of the nutritional aspects of cravings in a minute, but how did you connect food cravings or cravings with desire? And what is that sort of bigger mm. picture of desire that you
1: teach women about? Right. Okay. So this is great. This is where the, the really juicy stuff is and the really challenging stuff too. Look, when we, see our body's cravings as bad. And and that's how cravings are set up in this culture. You have a craving, oh, it's for something bad, right? Mm, It's like this this dirty little secret that you crave Oreos or something. You put all of your desires in the framework of dangerous. So when your body is asking for food that you, you're like, oh, you have guilt or shame around it. And then it's hard for you to hear any desires and cravings as worthy or, uh, righteous, right? Or it's hard for us to own our desires and cravings because so many of them come from the body. Mm. You know, I sometimes say that, uh, cravings are your soul's to do list.
0: Oh, I love that. There's so much
1: of your, <laughs> there's so much of your body's wisdom that speaks to you physically and Cravings are the language of your body. So so over the last 15 years of working with women as, as a nutrition coach, as a chef, I've really broken down cravings and desires into four different root causes. And you have to really start having, you know, developing an awareness practice and asking yourself, well, which cause might be popping up now when I want this food or that thing or that action in my life. So the four root causes are bacterial, nutritional, emotional, and physical. And it's funny, when I talk about bacterial cravings, I've always called the bacterial part of our body and jokingly the beast within or the puppet mm. master. And now we're starting to realize like, yeah, actually the bacteria in your body are kind of running the show. I tell my
0: patients that it's like those little yeast are in there in your gut. And you know, I tell my patients that if you think about it, if you've ever made bread and you put yeast in a bowl, it doesn't get activated till you add some sugar and water. And Mm -hmm. it's like the little yeast are in your gut going, feed me, feed me, feed me sugar. (laughs) That's, That's how I actually visualize them.
1: Right, absolutely. And they communicate with your brain via the vagus nerve. They are actually communicating with you. You just can't hear it as language spoken in your ear. So when you have a bacterial imbalance, and let's say it's an overgrowth of candida yeast or something similar, it will literally, those bacteria, those yeasts, they will get you up off the couch and take you to the freezer at 10 o'clock at night for the ice cream. You know, they are the puppet master. So is your craving actually a bacterial need? Are those bacteria demanding sugar right now? That's, a, that's I think, the first place to start for most people. The next place is nutritional you now is this a nutritional craving we will often crave foods in an effort to get the nutrition or the minerals that we need you know most of us are overfed but undernourished mm-hmm. you know we get enough calories but we don't get enough of the trace elements the minerals the vitamins that our bodies so desperately need so we'll keep eating just in a desperate attempt to get the basics covered So, you know, part of my cravings was definitely my severe anemia. When I was vegan, I was severely anemic and I tried everything, all the supplements, all the superfoods, nothing was working. And it's something I still have to keep an eye on even now that I eat meat. So is your craving a nutritional need and I am a big fan of blood tests. I mean, go find out what the lay of the land is. Are you deficient in anything? Is that causing your cravings? That's really helpful. And then there's the really juicy stuff that no diet talks about, but which, which really I think is doing all of us such a disservice in this body and health-obsessed culture we live in, the emotional and physical cravings. Now, we are emotional creatures. You cannot separate emotion from food. You can't do it. You can't separate emotion from business. You can't separate emotion from anything because we're emotional creatures. And I have so many women that I work with come to me and say, with this shame and resignation in their voice, I'm an emotional eater. And I say, sweetheart, we are all emotional eaters. Welcome to the human race. There's nothing abnormal about you at all. And the way to begin to heal that or just make it easier or transform it is to just bring awareness to it and say, okay, what are the emotions that are triggering me right now? What's going on in my life? And that, you know, that takes some self-work, some introspection, and some support from outside of yourself often. And then there's the physical cravings. We are physical creatures. We're animals as much as we are human. And we know if you take baby mammals of any sort and deprive them of touch, love, affection, pleasure, joy, play, if you deprive them of physical um, nourishment, they will not thrive. They will develop slowly, poorly. Uh, They will develop emotional trouble. We know that about children and about baby animals, but we forget that about ourselves, that we human animal adults need physical touch and play and pleasure. There are some scientists that actually believe you need six to eight hugs a day of at least six seconds in duration apiece. Now, how many of us are getting 60 seconds of hugging a day? And that's the minimum. For basic health, and then there's sexual desire. So much of our desire for sex and intimacy and physical pleasure is tied up with, um, you know, old old ideas based on religious upbringing or on current cultural mores and morals that say that you know sex is bad, sex is dirty, even if you're in a long-term committed relationship. So, it can be challenging to own your desires when there's so much judgment on all of these.
0: Oh, that's a lot to think about for women, isn't it? To really, I think we really have to give ourselves more time in life each day to just tune in, right? I think sometimes we get so busy that we don't actually just tune in to, I, I call it permission to pause, just give ourselves a hot minute mm-hmm. to stop, breathe and feel where the craving is coming from in that moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we think about food all the time, but we don't actually take the time to eat and feel. Think about think about that yeah. for a second.
0: Right? Oh, so true. I mean, I'll I'll ask my patients what they ate for breakfast or lunch if they're coming to me in the afternoon. And sometimes people can't actually recall. Like they ate so fast, they never tasted their food. They don't remember what the food sensation was. They just remember sort of wolfing something down. It's very bizarre how that happens.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: One of the areas that I see coming up as questions that I get in my blog posts, in um, in response to blog posts on Facebook... And for my patients in the office, and when I travel, I mean, pretty much everywhere, a lot of women are asking about desire and cravings in relationship to life's wants and dreams and soul needs. And I think a lot of us as women, particularly mothers, but any of us in relationship, even as sort of as much as feminism and, and women's identities have moved forward, we often kind of sublimate our life's desires, whether it's women. I I meet a lot of women who come to see me in my practice, for example, who are in their late 30s to maybe late 40s, early 50s and wanting to start a career or change careers or go back to school. And often they want to study nutrition or something in kind of integrative health and feel a tremendous amount of guilt about taking time for themselves. And I think in general, we're not great at taking time for ourselves. Do you think that plays out in terms of cravings for food at all?
1: And and if so, how can we address mm. that? Absolutely. We are so trained and I think it's partially um nature and partially nurture how we women are raised to be 100% available to others, to care for others. To, you know, the pressure to be perfect in all ways is enormous. And that means anticipating, like, aren't you really good at this? I'm so good at this with my kid, especially my son who's nine. I can anticipate what he needs and wants even before he knows it. It's amazing. It's like this psychic connection. I'm the same with my husband now. Like, I know what they need and want before they need it. And there's a certain like pride in that. But I have so much attention on what other people need and want and what I can do for them that I'm totally out of touch with my own needs and wants. So it does, it feels very selfish to focus on ourselves. And it's not just guilt, it feels like shame. And shame is, oh, a much dirtier monster than guilt. Guilt is I've done something wrong, shame is I am wrong. <laughs> like i am wrong and bad that's ugh, that's icky so and i coach my clients to do for themselves to cancel on other people to reclaim their time to do what feels good to their bodies they there can be some shame in it like well i'm but i'm supposed to be taking not just taking care of everyone else but Fully anticipating being fully available for everyone else. And when we're in that mode for so long without question, not only do we disengage from our own needs and wants and desires, but when we finally get a tiny hint of clarity about what we do want, we have to overcome so much to ask for what we want, to stand strong for the boundaries of what's, you know, now acceptable for how we want to be treated So it is, it really is overcoming a lifetime of training. Mm -hmm. And that requires a, a lot of support, I think, from other women and from the people in your life. And it does, it shows up in your cravings for food because when, you know, we are wanting creatures, we crave, therefore we are. If you didn't have, desire and craving built into you as a human being, then you wouldn't want to eat and you wouldn't want to procreate. And that would be the end of the human race. <laughs> so craving and desire is completely natural. It's totally natural and normal. It's good. Wanting, you know, gets you up in the morning. Craving makes it possible for you to, to eat and survive and thrive and, and have children and, and create things in your life. So it's, it's a good thing that you want And it can just take a little time to overcome those judgments we have about it. Because if you don't, you'll still crave. But if you don't allow yourself the things you want in your life, whether it's time, space, education, creativity, relationships, sex, whatever it is, you will still want, you'll just only be allowed to go to food for it. So that's what creates food as savior in our life because we don't, we're not allowed to go after the other things we want.
0: I've been doing quite a bit of reading about willpower and food and women and oxytocin for this book that I'm working on. And one of the things that's really struck me about willpower is this concept of willpower fatigue. And mm-hmm. when we get so busy taking care of others at the expense of ourselves, we can get pretty burnt out. We can get taxed if we're not kind of like refilling the cup and the cup is constantly empty. It's like a I always think of it as like a pot on the stove. And if you just leave the pot with the with the burner on but don't add more water, you're gonna get it's gonna scorch at the bottom. And that's what it's like when we're constantly burning energy but not replenishing. And what's really interesting with this idea of willpower fatigue is that when we don't self-nourish And when we're just giving and giving all the time without taking that time to replenish, it's as if our brain says, well, I can't not show up for anybody else. So the one person I cannot show up for is me. And it's not like we're intentionally or, or, you know, thinking that out loud. It's more like a subtle, deeper thought. And so sometimes I think that's where, you know, you're, you're on the diet or you're just changing your eating habits And you then find yourself with this craving. And instead of being able to sort of rethink how do I want to feel and is eating this going to get me there, a lot of women just say, screw it. You know, I've been taking care of everybody else all day. I've earned this. I deserve this. How do you address willpower and what happens with willpower in your
1: programs and with your clients? Oh, I love it. I love willpower as a topic. It's so fascinating. And habits are such a big part of preserving your willpower, but there's also nutrition. And then there's, who's your support? So habits are a way for your brain to preserve willpower. When you do something automatically, then your brain, your brain likes that because it's an energy saving tactic. So look at your habits and how are they set up to preserve your willpower. I I do a whole section on this in my cravings cleanse. I call it from willpower to wellpower Mm. and how we can begin to transform our little habits to just, you know, if they could improve our health, our well-being, our behavior 1% by just transforming our habits a little bit, it can have a huge ripple effect throughout our life. So you know, for instance, I had a client who in the afternoons, she was addicted to her afternoon mocha because mm. she was exhausted by 3 o'clock and she was she would work through lunch. Oh, my gosh. If I could just get the American woman to take a 30-minute lunch break away from their computer, I could change the world. Totally different topic. But, <laughs> but relevant. Said, but relevant, right? If I could get her to, instead of having the sugary caffeinated mocha at 3 o'clock, which was upsetting her hormones and upsetting her sleep and upsetting her waistline, that would be a keystone habit to change. That would have a big effect. So what we did was instead we had her eat a little bit of something naturally sweet at around two o'clock and she took her afternoon calls while walking. So instead of going to, Get herself a mocha at three o'clock every day, like clockwork. She would take her walk and do and return phone calls. And she was still working, but she was moving. It boosted her energy and she was able to drop that one habit that was actually destroying her willpower later on because the brain likes glucose and it uses glucose to keep running. And if you have that spike at three o'clock and then you crash by four o'clock, then your brain is just going to demand more sugar. And that's how you end up eating, snacking, sugary foods all night. So you see the ripple effect. This willpower thing and habits are really, really tied together. But then there's also your support system you know, are you doing too much? Are you still doing the full day of work and all the second shift work at home? You know, how, how much are you being supported at home by your family? I actually had my husband, Bob, uh, a couple of years ago, he wrote a post for my blog, that, you know, the top ways that you can support your partner while they're on a cleanse or on a diet or changing their habits, whatever it is. And he, it was great. He was like, Okay, dudes and, you know, other ladies who are are supporting their partner, like you need to step up. If you really want to help your partner change, you need to, you know, recognize that she might feel off in the first week of a a change in diet. So how are you going to take care of the kids better for her? How can you take over the shopping and planning for her? Like how can you step up and really be a support to your partner? And I've been sending that out to my clients, to their partners, and it's really helpful. You know, I know that, and this is true for men and for women, but it's especially true for men that they love to have a clear list of things that they can do so that they can win in supporting you. And if they know exactly what to do and that you will love them for it, they're like, oh, yeah, give me the list. They will win at that. And that feels good to everyone.
0: I bet there are some women out there going, hmm, I wonder if Bob has a brother. <laughs> like, that's a pretty good guy to marry who's willing to <laughs> write that blog and have those insights. That's pretty good. So Alex, what are some of the nutritional aspects of cravings that you feel are most important for women to understand, to take away today? Anemia, you mentioned with um, your own craving for meat. You've talked about fatigue in the afternoon and eating sugar leading to more sugar crashes. So that's another piece. If you could talk about maybe just or mention the three or four top nutritional pieces that lead to cravings that women might want to think about supplementing their diet with Foods that are rich in those nutrients or supplements,
1: perhaps, what would those be? Okay, so the first one is magnesium. We like, I, I'm sure you see this in your practice, Aviva, that we're in this, there's a plague of magnesium deficiency across the land. <laughs> it's, affected, it's affecting women really, really strongly. And what do you think, like, the most delicious? you know, mouthfeely, yummy food that has a good amount of magnesium in it that women tend to crave, especially around their menstrual cycle. Chocolate.
0: yes, yeah. I, I probably <laughs> recommend magnesium more than any other supplement. And I actually tell my patients that dark chocolate is a food group.
1: So good that's why i love you Aww. that is why i love you yes so magnesium deficiency is very common and i've had some of my serious chocoholics like when they start taking magnesium not only does it like it can help them sleep better at night but it can really help with those out of control chocolate cravings but so there's a lot of foods too you know hemp seeds chia seeds certain sea vegetables those can be high in magnesium those are helpful but I really want to talk about fat. Yes. fat it, we are still living in a fat phobic culture, even though the science is, has, you know, come around again and, you know, wait five minutes, it'll change tomorrow. But the nutrition science is saying that, you know, fat is good. Your brain is mostly fat. And if you're, not, if you're eating a low-fat diet all the time, it's going to affect your ability to focus. It's going to affect your calm or your anxiety. It's going to affect your joints and your skin, everything. And if you're not getting enough of it because you're still focused on low-fat foods, which, by the way, are usually filled with sugar to try to make them taste good or, or salt, um, if you're avoiding fat, your body will crave more food in some way. So if you're having sugar cravings, eat more fat and protein, like really load up on the avocados, get like, I will sit, this is, this is how I totally zone out at night. I will get a jar of coconut butter, not coconut oil, but coconut butter. It's like peanut butter, but made from coconuts. Oh my gosh. That stuff is the most delicious. It's like slightly naturally sweet. It's so good and it's so satisfying. You can really only have a couple of spoonfuls before your body's like, I'm done. That was good. It's satisfying. So don't be afraid of fat. In fact, it's good for you. Avoid the trans fats. We know that for sure. Um, I think hopefully the only nutritional science that won't change tomorrow is that high fructose corn syrup and trans fats should be abolished completely. Everything else is up for grabs. But let's focus on getting good, good, healthy fats into your diet.
0: I had a patient a couple of years ago who is a long-distance runner, incredibly um, like no fat on her body, just like all lean muscle mass, yoga teacher, nutritionist. she came in with her biggest symptom being something called night eating syndrome. And night eating syndrome isn't just being hungry at seven o'clock or 10 o'clock. It's she would fall asleep and wake up just famished. And she was going into the kitchen and guess what she was binging out on? Coconut butter and almond butter. And I just had to look at her and I kind of just looked at her and I said is this telling you anything? It was kind of like, she's very nutritionally aware. And it was just having somebody reflect back to her, the fact that she was eating fat is what she was craving. And it was amazing. We did mm-hmm. a couple of um, supplements that can be helpful. Um, there's some evidence in the medical literature for 5-HTP and melatonin who are really, for women who are really suffering from this or men too. But just adding more fat to her diet when she was, she's very fat phobic made such a huge difference in her health. So magnesium, protein, good fats, Mm -hmm. really important and listening to your body, critical, critical.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Alex, I want to ask you one more question. How do you teach women to identify the difference between a food or nutritional craving? And a deeper life longing that's showing up as a craving, whether that be a need for touch Mm. relationship, What what do you find are some of the kind of differentiating signs of that, or maybe what approaches would you take to help a woman figure that out?
1: So I actually created a really simple chart to help people start to figure this out. And, you know, we can, we can send people there. I can give you the link for that. It's basically a cravings chart. Like, what do I do when I have a craving? And the first question is, like, am I really hungry? Like, have I eaten lately? Am I, do I actually need some food? Think about that for a minute. Hmm, is this hunger? Okay, well, maybe. Maybe it's been five hours. Okay, maybe I really need to eat something. And, you know, maybe that next thing you eat should be like a mini meal, not just a snack out of a bag. Am I thirsty? Have I been been having any water today? That's a question. Okay, if it's neither of those, what's going on with me emotionally right now? How am I feeling emotionally? And that can be, it's funny, maybe it's not a tough question. It's a tough question to ask, but it's usually an easy question to answer. But we don't often ask ourselves that question. Because we're afraid of what will come up. Like I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm scared. Those are the things that come up. And then ask yourself physically. It's it's not just about movement, although I think um, transforming fitness and how we think of working out could do a lot of people a lot of good. From working out to joyful movement and play. But the last question is like, when was the last time you had fun in your body? When was the last time you had sex or masturbated, had an orgasm, took a hot shower, stretched, played? Do you play? Do you have toys? <laughs> I have a, you know, I've got hot pink roller skates that I ride around on and I have a hula hoop. You know, we have toys for me in the house, just as much as we have toys for my kid. Because your body wants to feel Good and light and fun, but many of us have forgotten how to do that because it's you know it seems silly and we don't want to look uncool. So I I highly recommend not trying to look cool anymore. Silly is awesome. (laughs) But this you know this this cravings chart can be helpful. It can help you start to think. Okay, do I feel this way? Do I feel that way? Should I eat something? Drink something? Do something? Talk something? This is how you start to unravel it.
0: I love it. When I started medical school at the age of 39, one of my really dear friends sent me, I think she sent me like a $10 bill in the mail. And the instructions were to buy myself a hula hoop. Now, I actually already had a hula hoop, but I. <laughs> a lot of times I'll ask my patients how they want to feel. And they say, I just want to feel like myself again. And then I ask them, what does that mean? And a lot of times women will say, you know, like when I was nine and I used to rollerblade, roller skate, or when I was six and I played hopscotch and had a hula hoop. So I love that suggestion of having toys. It's a great, great, great one. And I promise that below this podcast, I will post a picture of me hula hooping with my granddaughter. <laughs> I had my granddaughter on my shoulders. She was sure it was called a hoopie hoop. So now she knows it's called oh, a hula hoop, but she used to say, would you hoopie hoop with me, Biba? So I had her on my shoulders. So we're going to post links to Bob's blog and to your cravings chart below this podcast. Alex, tell us what is next for you and how my listeners can get much more of you, because I know they're going to be craving that after hearing this episode of <laughs> Natural MD Radio.
1: Well, I do have my own podcast called The Crave Cast, where I interview experts, uh, you know, on sexual health, nutrition, movement, all these things that inspire us or topics that we crave and desire. So they can check out The Crave Cast or they can go, you know, I have a whole cravings quiz that really helps people begin to see underneath their cravings and, you know, dispel some of the mystery of what they mean. And and uh, I'll give you the link for that too. It's just cravingsquiz.com.
0: Love it. And I love you and what you're doing. And thank you so much for being with us today to share this wisdom and just a true path to beginning to understand the messages our body's giving us both to nourish ourselves physically, but really nourish ourselves in every aspect of our lives as women. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening, everybody. And please go over to Alex's website and learn more about her and her book, which I love, as you probably got from my intro is Women, Food and Desire. Embrace your cravings, make peace with food and reclaim your body. See you next time